Tonight we're continuing with our Make Your Mark sermon series. This is the fourth one. Uh, so far we've looked at how to make a mark in our families, uh, how to make a mark amongst our friends, co-workers, associates. And tonight we're going to be looking at how we should be making a mark in the church. Uh, this is something that is really, really important. A lot of people, I think, underestimate the importance of gathering together as the, as the church. You all obviously don't because you're here. And I know that there are extenuating circumstances. Sometimes people have jobs and people have things that are going on. But it seems like to me, and I'm not very old, but I can remember a time when church was a priority. Uh, Sunday mornings, you had Sunday school, you had Sunday morning worship, you had Sunday night, you had Wednesday night Bible study and any other combination of things that might take place at church. And we just went. It was important. It was something that was part of who we were. And it just seems like that as we are getting older and generations are passing on, the younger generations don't necessarily uh, have that desire to be here. And, and maybe it's because they don't see the importance of it, or maybe because our lives are so busy, there's so many other things competing for our attention and time. But as Christians, I think being a part of the local congregation, now understand the church is universal. That's every believer everywhere on the world. So that's capital C Church. But these local congregations like us, it's important. And this has been a really trying year because of all the stuff going on. People telling us, well, you can't come out. You can't do this. You can't do that. And maybe it's because I'm somewhat cynical, but I think a lot of people have used that as an excuse not to come and gather. I am thankful that we have technology and congregations are able to broadcast things on Facebook and stuff like that. But there's something about meeting together in person like we're doing here tonight. It's very important. And just like in our families and with our friends and co-workers, we can make an impact on the people that come into this building. And just like in all those other situations, we can make an impact for the good or we can make an impact for the bad. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, famous preacher, perhaps you've heard of him, he said this, You may speak but a word to a child, and in that child there may be slumbering a noble heart, which shall stir the Christian church in years to come. I've already shared in the first two sermons in this series that there were people in my past, people in my life that influenced me and if it weren't for some of them, I probably wouldn't be standing here doing this tonight. I mentioned a guy named Rod Kassler, who was the preacher in Rocky Mount when I was just a kid. I mentioned Mickey and Joyce Witcher, who both just recently passed away, making a profound impact on me, not just as a friend, because they were friends, but they hosted a congregation in their homes. And we saw the church working. I think about all the folks we've left up in Pennsylvania, and some of them made profound impact on my life. I think about our home church, Stony Brook over in Wilson, and some of the elders there, Mark and Jackie Woolard, and the impact that that church has made not only on Robin and myself, but on countless other people. And it's a shame that so many people, it seems, don't see the importance of doing what we're doing. I'm 100% in support of being in Sunday school being in Sunday morning worship, being in Sunday night worship, 
having Bible studies and small groups and vacation Bible school and things like that. 100%. I think it's important. It helps mold us and shape us. It helps teach the younger generations who are coming along behind us the things that are important in life. And I know we're, we're in a really interesting and difficult and weird time and there are all these things going on. Like I said, I'm thankful that there are churches who have the capability to stream things live so that people that can't get out can have something. But I'm also looking forward to the day when all this silliness ends and people can start meeting together in person. And I just hope that people don't use the excuse, well, it's easier to do it on Facebook. It's easier to do it here and forsake gathering together like we're doing, like I think Scripture teaches us that we ought to. As I think about the impact that we can make through the church, I think about all those godly people and all the churches that I have been a part of throughout my entire life. And I mentioned just a handful of them. I could stand here all night and list name after name after name of people that were Sunday school teachers or deacons or elders or youth workers in all the churches that I have been in. And I'm sure every one of us in here, if you were given the opportunity, you could stand up and mention people that influenced you that were part of the church, whether they were Sunday school teachers or preachers or elders or deacons or youth leaders or choir leaders. And there are people that made a profound impact on us for the good, because they saw the importance of being involved and being part of a local body of Christ. And I know I'm the preacher. I get paid to say that. But I'm not trying to give people a guilt trip. I have had jobs where I had to work on Sundays, and I wasn't always able to be in church on Sunday. So I understand that's the nature of this world we live in. But I've always tried to be involved when I could. And that's just not out of a sense of obligation. Part of it's because I was just raised that way. I was taught you're in church. But part of it is because I believe Scripture teaches us that we're supposed to be involved and to be part of this. If you've got your Bibles up, and we're going to look at two passages tonight. The first one's in Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to turn over to that. Hebrews chapter 10. We don't know who wrote this book. Some people speculate it was Paul or maybe Apollos or somebody connected, but we really don't know who wrote this passage. But it's important. In this chapter, it's talking about faith and it's talking about being godly. And it's warning people about being caught up in deliberate sin. In fact, beginning in verse 26, it talks about if we continue to sin and know that it's a sin then there's no longer forgiveness there. But look at what the writer says right before verse 26, starting in verse 23 of chapter 10. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. First, our first and primary purpose for gathering here, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday, is to worship. It's to worship God. It's not about being entertained. And I know a lot of churches have kind of 
slidden in that direction. I don't question their motives. I don't question their hearts. I don't question their faith. But when you look a lot at a lot of the, the, the stuff that's offered online, a lot of it is entertainment. And don't get me wrong, some of it's done very well, and I'm not questioning the sincerity. But our primary purpose for meeting, especially in person, is to worship God and to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Our primary purpose, I believe, is to meet around this table every Sunday morning. The songs we sing, the scriptures we read, the sermons, all of that stuff points to Christ and what He did on the cross. So our primary purpose for gathering together is to worship. But the secondary thing, and this is where this ties in about making an influence, the writer here says in verse 24, let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. We're supposed to be taking care of each other. Those of you who are in the military probably understand that better than a lot of people do. You're supposed to have one another's back. You're supposed to help one another when you're struggling, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, financial. Rob and I could tell you over and over again the number of times people in God's church, including this one, in the short time that we have been here, have stepped out and helped us when, we did, when our car is broke down. Somebody says, well, you can drive this one. We can help you do this. One of the reasons it's so important to be here is because every single one of us sitting in this room have needs. And every single one of us sitting in this room have something to offer. The writer says, we're supposed to be here taking care of one another. And when we do that, what does it say happens? We provoke what? Love and good works. We encourage one another. We lift one another up. And then he continues and says, we're not supposed to neglect this. And like I said, there are always going to be exceptions. We get sick. Sometimes you have to work. God understands that. But some people have made it a habit to find other things to do. Some people find other things more important than coming here. And remember how I said we can influence people positively by helping, coming along beside one another? When you have young believers, whether we're talking about their age or their maturity level, when they see older, more seasoned believers decide that this is not important, that's a negative influence too. When you look around and you know that there are people who claim to be believers and for some reason it's just not important to be here, that's a negative influence. And it doesn't help. The writer of Hebrews says we need to be watching out. It's kind of hard to watch out for somebody if you're not around them, right? Now, we can pick up the phone, we can send emails, and we can do that. But it's a lot easier to help somebody if you're right there with them, right there physically beside them. And when we do that, when we're acting out in love and we're doing these things that we're supposed to do, the church is better for it. We set an example not only for those in the church, but for those outside. They look and say, see how they're taking care of one another? And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Church is not about what we can get. It's about what we can give. And when we're not here, for whatever reasons, we miss opportunities. Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the church being a body, 
fact, that's what we are. We are the body of Christ. And we're not going to read that whole section, but if you look in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26, he talks about every single one of us has a function, just like the body has different parts. And each part has a role it's supposed to play. Every single one of us. And this is something I, I have strived to point out in the last congregation I was in because I grew up in congregations that were good folks. But a lot of people felt like they had nothing to offer. A lot of people felt like that they just weren't important. You see the preacher. It's easy to see me because I'm visible. Or the deacons, the Sunday school teachers, those playing music, those leading worship, those singing, and sometimes those sitting out in the pew that aren't doing one of those visible things think that they're not important, that they have nothing to offer. But every single one of us sitting in this room has something to give. You are an important part of the body of Christ. And here's the deal. Every part is important. Every part is needed. And if you're not here and your part is missing, then the whole body suffers. I can think back not too terribly long ago when I didn't need these. Now I look down here, this is a blur. I can't see them without them. And I can still see, but my eyes do not function the way they used to, and I suffer for it. We might not think it's an important thing, but somebody makes these bulletins every Sunday. Somebody comes in here and fixes the communion. Somebody cleans the building. Somebody works on the lawn and does those things. And that may not seem like ministry. That may not seem like it's important. But every one of those things are needed for this congregation to function and do what it's supposed to. If you don't believe me, whoever cleans the bathrooms, go two or three weeks and not clean the bathrooms and see what happens. Do you think it'll be noticed? Yeah. To the folks who do communion, and I know who they are, but don't do it one Sunday and see what happens. Will it be noticed? Will something be lacking? Exactly. So you may think, well, I don't do anything but make the bulletins, or I don't do anything but sweep. It's important. That's a function. That's a body part working, and when you're not there and that body part is not working, the church suffers for it. And you know what else you do? Since we're talking about making a mark and influencing, when others who don't think that they can contribute, others who don't think that they have anything to offer, see that you're doing that, even if it just seems to be something small, it helps them to understand that they too have a purpose. They too have a function. And they too are important. And you can be a positive example by leading, just doing the things that need to be doing. The church is not 100% effective unless we are all present and we are all participating. And that's the biggest mark we make on those in the church. That's the biggest way we can influence is by being here, being ready to worship, being there to help those, whether it's through prayer or a phone call. Influencing people by seeing your service, whether it's teaching Sunday school or sitting in the nursery or mowing the grass, that encourages people. It makes a mark on them. I can remember lots of folks from the churches I've been in, the church I grew up in. I remember the preachers and the elders and deacons we have, but I also remember those little ladies that cleaned. And I remember those ladies that taught the Sunday school lessons. 
and that taught nursery, and they probably didn't think they were doing anything incredibly important. Maybe they did. But it made an impact, and it encouraged me, and encouraged others. I don't want to dwell on this next part too much, but I have also seen things happen in church that were extremely discouraging, where people were selfish, where people had their own agendas, and people weren't concerned as much about the body of Christ as getting their own way. The church I grew up in in Rocky Mount split. So I have seen the negative impact that people can have in churches as well. I've shared this a little bit. I don't go into too much detail, but there was a time in my life in my early 20s, even though I was present and involved, the way I lived and some of the things I did, I know made a negative impact because people saw me and said, hey, I thought you were a Christian and you're doing that kind of stuff. We need to be careful because as much as a good impact as we can make, if we have a negative attitude, if we're selfish, we can have a bad effect as well. We have a personal responsibility. I believe this is scriptural. But we have a personal responsibility first and foremost to Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. This is His body and we owe it to Him to be present and to participate and to be positive. But we owe it to one another as well. We're supposed to consider others more important than ourselves. We're supposed to lay down our lives for our friends as we just saw in John's letters. We need to be a positive, encouraging example. And I want to look at one more passage here. If you want to turn over to Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. This is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture. I think it's practical. Maybe it's not as practical as the book of James. But this section right here, Paul is being very, very practical. In Colossians chapter 3. The end of that chapter, he's talking about our, our relationships in our homes with our wives and husbands and our children and slaves and masters. But right before this, beginning in verse 12, a lot of Bibles will have like a subject heading over the paragraph. That's something an editor or a scholar added. The section right here in my Bible, whoever has edited, puts the Christian life. What it means to be a Christian. What it means to be involved in the church. This is how we make an influence in our congregation, with those that are here. Paul starts writing in verse 12, Therefore, what he's just talked about is we put on our new selves, we put on Christ. Because we've sacrificed our old selves and put on Christ, therefore, because of that, because you're God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, that's the way God sees us. Every single one of us in here, we're chosen, we're holy, we're dearly loved. This is what we're supposed to do. And if everyone in our churches would think more like this and do their very best to live like this, imagine the impact we could make. He says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Wouldn't all of our churches be much better if every single one of this, us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, did our absolute best to live like that? Wouldn't our churches be better? Wouldn't we be making a huge influence, not only only the people in here, but those outside? Verse 13, this is one of a lot of churches. 
I can think of the church I grew up in, especially around the time that it broke up. But look what it says. Bearing with one another. You know what that means. Some of us are aggravating. Some of us are annoying. We need to be patient and have a little mercy and have a little grace. We've all got family members we put up with just because they're family, right? Well, we're family. We need to put up with one another. Now, we don't allow sin to run rampant. That's not what Paul's talking about. But there's some folks that are annoying sometimes and we need to bear with them, understanding that maybe they're not as far along in their spiritual walk or they may have other issues that we're not aware of. But we bear with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, why? Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. If we would just try a little harder to live these out in our life, I can only imagine the impact that we could make. Paul continues, above all, as we went through 1st and 2nd Peter and 1st and 2nd 3rd John, the recurring theme that we saw through all those was love. As Christ has loved us, we love others. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. A lot of churches have issues staying together. And a lot of churches have issues with doing things because, quite honestly, they don't love one another. Not the way Christ loves them. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, the church. Let the peace of Christ. And Paul says, you've been called to that. We've been called to be peacemakers. Let it rule our hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. This isn't just a preacher. This isn't just a Sunday school teacher. This just isn't the deacons. This is every single one of us. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among us in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And if you truly want to make an impact in the church, this actually applies if you want to make an impact in your families, in your friends, in your jobs. Verse 17, this is kind of my life verse. I have a couple of them that I really try to live by, but this is one of them. Whatever you do, and here's the deal, all of us are supposed to be doing something. We all have a purpose. We all have a function in the church. But whatever it is that we are doing, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. I truly believe this world would be a much better place if people took church attendance seriously. I know the preacher is supposed to say that. I want this place packed. But it's not because of an ego. It's not for bragging rights. It's because I know that if people are in here and they're taking it seriously, at the very least, they're hearing the Word of God. They're seeing God be worshipped. And they are exposed to godly people who love them and are trying to make a mark in their life. I believe we have a personal responsibility to the body of Christ and to one another. We don't show up to see what we can get out of it. 
We show up to see what we can do, what we can give. And I truly believe that if we are pouring ourselves into the church, in our local church, into one another's lives, the church will thrive. It'll grow spiritually. I believe it'll grow numerically. And then when we find ourselves in need, when we have been pouring into it, when we have been making an impact, when we have been doing the things that we have been gifted, you know what happens? When it's our time, the body's there to help us. Don't forsake the gathering together. It's how we worship God collectively, but most importantly for us while we're here in this world, it's how we hold together. It's how we encourage one another. It's how we help one another. And the church will never be 100% effective unless every single one of us is present and participating. Let's pray.